Welcome to the Behind the Glass podcast, where we are face-to-face discussing biblical topics that are relevant today. Join us for interviews, discussions, and musings that will bring laughter and enlightenment. For now, all you have to do is sit back, relax, and step behind the glass. That glass breaks every time, Isaiah. Yeah, yeah, I love it. Yeah, you love it. It's part of it. Yeah, it is part of it, and... I don't know. Maybe one day we'll get rid of it. But for now, we'll break a glass every single time we have a podcast. Well, Isaiah, pretty excited about today's podcast. Sitting down with Brother Maine. I think it's going to be really good, and it's going to be really interesting to the to the listeners today. I agree. Um, you know, we often interview uh, pastors and ministers, but it's it's unique that we get to interview an evangelist. And personally, I have a great desire for evangelism. And so this is just going to be exciting. I'm, I can't wait to get into this. Absolutely. Well, today we're going to be joined by a wonderful man of God who has a passion for souls, passion for home missionaries, passion for ministry. He's devoted his ministry to helping missionary uh, home missionary churches receive strength in ministry. He is married to his wonderful wife, Molly. Together, they are the founder of Maine & Co. Kingdom Wear. When he's not on the road, he is based out of Pasadena, Texas, Apostolic Temple with Brother Pastor, or sorry, with Pastor Orlin McLean. So, Brother Timothy Maine, welcome to the Behind the Glass podcast. We're very thankful that you're able to join us today. Brother Starr, we uh, definitely appreciate the invitation, Brother Isaac. It's good to be with you this evening, and we're we're excited for what God is yet doing, especially during these troubling times, and we do appreciate it. Absolutely. Troubling times, indeed. It's been very interesting, and of course, we'll talk about it more in depth later in the podcast, but it's been very interesting having to navigate these waters with really out of the what seems like out-of-the-box solutions, but I think it's going to have a really permanent effect on the church. I think there's going to be some really good things that come from it. So, Brother Maine, why don't you just go ahead and tell us about yourself a little bit? Were you brought, raised up in the church? What, what's your background? I was raised in the church. Uh, I was raised in Owensboro, Kentucky, a small community. And we was raised in church. We went to Pastor James Denham's in Rockport, Indiana. And um, I am one of six children to my mother and father. Um, throughout the course of my childhood, we, um, my, my family has always owned businesses. And so we, we had a good childhood, uh, to, to say the least. Uh, we was raised in a strong apostolic church. There was a great foundation, but at the age of 10 or 11, uh, the waters began to be troubled. My parents, uh, they got a divorce, and then we, we began to see everything around us shake. Uh, through, through the decision whether to go stay with my mom or go stay with my dad, um, we, we all remain very well-connected family. And that is something I am very, very grateful for because a lot of people don't get that opportunity when there is a marital split. Right. So I am thank I'm thankful for the relationship that I have with my siblings. Um, my background, um, 
after the separation of my parents, I, um, I quickly began to fall away from church, right. uh, anything to do with church, as I guess it would be normal for, for a child where it was far beyond my reach of even being able to say, Hey, I want to go to church. And, and <laughs> there was no way to go. But at the age of 13, I began to, uh, to get wrapped up with some friends and I began to experiment a little bit with marijuana and then quickly advancing and leaving out some of the details. Uh, by the time I'm 15, uh, already dealing marijuana, cocaine, pills, uh, really anything we could get our hands on. Uh, by the time I was 16, uh, I was, I was very, very well involved. I knew what it was like to snort cocaine. I knew what it was like to get to the place where, where you smoke enough marijuana, where you quit getting high off of it. So you start turning to other avenues. I knew what that life was like because it wasn't just somebody else's story I was hearing. It was something I was living. Right. Uh, by the time I was 17 now, um, this is whenever the Lord really began in hindsight to work in a rapid pace. My father and my sister, Dessa, and my youngest sister, Cassie, now back in church, um, we were going into a revival service and I, I wasn't going to church with them. Uh, really, I, I got to the place like myself and Brother Isaac was uh, sharing just fellowship a few moments ago. Uh, I had I had found the place where I did not need the mercy of God in my own mind because I figured out how to work things out for myself. Uh, there was always that mental block of anything to do with church because I knew how how the church would respond yeah. to one of their own that have fallen so far. But uh, before my 18th birthday, we went into revival and I went to a, re a revival service and I sat back there and uh, it gets emotional for me because it's, it's my testimony, right. you know, and, uh, sitting back there on the pew and, and we, we, we view them as just little silly songs. And that, that song, Jesus loves me, this I know for the Bible tells me. So when I'm sitting back there, man, I'm sobbing. <laughs> I look like a big man. And my youngest sister, Cassie, she said, do you want to go to the altar with me? And I said, uh, I said, yeah, I said, I'll go. And I went up there and uh, it wasn't just a few moments later for the first time I speak with other tongues as a spirit, as the spirit of God comes in you and fills you with the baptism Powerful. of the Holy Ghost. And, uh, and that same day I was baptized in the only saving name, Jesus Christ for the remission of my sins as of Acts 2.38 and the fulfillment of John 3 and 5. Uh, but the testimony of all that is whenever you are so wrapped up in the drug world, you don't just drop dealing drugs. Okay. But from that, uh, 
all relationships were severed with no issues whatsoever. Wow. wow. God gave me a clean slate. But from that day, Brother Star, I have never fiend for another drug. That is incredible. Amen. Very powerful. And so, so I, I have a firm understanding that God, if he can deliver me then 15 or 16 years ago, he can deliver somebody today. Right. You And you made an interesting point about being brought up in this and knowing kind of the impression that people would have potentially about you. And, and what, what do you have to say to a young person that might be struggling? And, and part of the struggle is just that is they don't know how to get over it because they're not, they're not supposed to be a sinner. Absolutely. Um, the, the greatest advice that I could ever give somebody that is struggling about living for God and playing with the things of this world is don't hold it to yourself. But whenever you fail, don't let there be judgment out of your mouth on the church. Right. Because when you, when, when you fail and you start to judge the church or, or you automatically get in that dogmatic mind state that says, well, well, now I am just a, a statistic and I have fallen, whether it was intentional or whether it was just in a time of, of being caught in the wrong place at the wrong time. There is a place of mercy for each individual as long as as you find a place of repentance. If you fail, go to the altar. Right. If you make a mistake, go to the altar. Go to the altar when you're living for God on the high. Go to the altar when you're living for God when you're struggling. Right. That that's the that's the only advice I know to give somebody, Brother Star, is during the hard times, fall in love with the altar. Right. Because every everything I believe every struggle can be rooted back to a lack of prayer. If your prayer life begins to struggle, if your prayer life begins to falter, then sting will find to fill the void. Yeah, that's a familiar statement. Uh, you're, you're reading out of the same book, uh, brother, as our pastor, because he right. says the exact same thing. If there is a failure, uh, more often than not, it's a prayer failure. Um, yes, sir. you know, I can connect a lot with what you've been talking about with your testimony. Um, as I have also dealt with, uh, a history from the ages of about 14 to 24, uh, very extensive drug use, severe alcoholism. And I remember, you know, in my mind when I had come into the church and I was, I was attending regularly and I hadn't got the Holy ghost yet, but I remember in my mind, I made a decision and I thought, you know, I think I can live like this holiness group, like these holiness people. And after that, everything began to change. And it wasn't very long after that I got the Holy Ghost. Would you say it was difficult to live the holiness lifestyle? Was that a hard transition? Because for me, um, once I had such an experience, it was very easy for me to buy into it all. You know, to be for for the, the the only thing that I can give is my personal recollection of of how it was. So uh, it, it may be very different for other people, sure. but I sold brother Isaac. I sold out to the world, my friend. Mm -hmm. And so whenever whenever I received the baptism of the Holy Ghost and I was baptized 
there was an intervention that was so far surpassing than any high that I ever got out of doing coke or pills or or smoking weed. That so to me, selling out wasn't an option, and to me, it wasn't even selling out really, because if God was going to be merciful enough to me to say, hey, I'm going to give you another chance. But whenever I started seeing relationships being severed, there there was no issue because we are, we get so engrafted, Brother Isaac, with worrying about the pure pressure of every everything around you. When, and for me, when I, when I completely sold out to God, it was so easy to live for God because you got to have a made up mind if, if you go to work, let's say you go to work at McDonald's and and um, you, you want to be the best line cook you can be, you surround yourself with people that are going to help you to be successful. Amen. And that was my mindset. I never had an intention of being a ministry. I never really even wanted to be a minister. But I started surrounding by myself with people that knew how to pray because I didn't know how to pray. I still don't know how to pray in some people's opinions. But 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 for me, brother, to answer the question in short, I suppose it would. There was no issue selling out because I had my mind made up. Amen. And that's a great, great point you make about the community that the church brings and the need for that community, whether you're a, whether you're new in the church or whether you're uh, elder statesman in the church, there's a need for that because we we're all struggling in the world. We're all, you know, we all, I guess struggling might be the wrong word, but we're all being brought by the pressures that this world brings against us. And we're all having to endure those pressures. And so there's that need for that community especially for the young people that are getting the church that whether it doesn't matter your age, but when you're new in the church, there's such a need for that. There absolutely is. Uh, you, you know, there, there is such a, uh, and, and it's controversial what I'm about to say, but like there is, th- there is such a dogma that, that I can't live for God because of the hypocrites. The church is the only place you're going to find a hypocrite. I'm, I'm sorry to to relate it in that sense, but the church is the only place where you're going to find somebody that struggles with alcohol because you're not going to call an alcoholic at a bar a hypocrite. Right. Yeah. So, so you 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 must surround yourself with people that you inspire to be like. Right. And that's where you're going to develop your own walk with God. And Pastor McLean. He, he's, he preaches a lot about finding your own identity in Christ because Brother Star, your walk with God and Brother Isaac's walk, walk with God is going to be far different than mine. Right. Yeah. That's, that's some really good stuff. And I, I could feel the presence of God moving through here as you were uh, stating your testimony. That's a very powerful testimony. But at some point, you felt a call to the ministry. Well, I would assume you felt the call to the ministry. Tell us a little bit about that transition. So where, where the, the aspiration began, um, I began trying to find my place in prayer as a young man. And I would always hear about fasting. And so I began to fast and, 
I began to read a lot and study a lot. Well, I went to my pastor one day and I said, hey, I really feel like the Lord is laying something on my heart. And he, okay. he said, I'm going to have you get up and talk about it. Hmm. And then instant shock. Yeah. <laughs> I'm like, uh, I'm like, no, I'm, I'm good. I, I don't have to get up and talk about it. I can tell you what's on my heart. And so, so from that, uh, my pastor really began to take me under my wing. My dad, uh, he's always been a fantastic Bible teacher. And so I, I would relate a lot to my dad as well. And so there was a, <laughs> the, uh, there, there was a great fear when that time came. And the very first message that I preached was the little Christian that could. <laughs> <laughs> so, so from that, um, the, the passion and the design never subsided it uh it always increased and uh, and the more i fell in love with prayer and developing a, a true and pure relationship with god it only increased and then uh i was invited to go on a uh a missions trip to trinidad and tobago and the burden grew more uh afterwards right so there's a idea that ministry starts in the pulpit and just you t- t- talking about that a little bit. I can tell that you don't probably feel that way. Oh no, no ministry. Uh, uh, and a lot of things I say, they, they may be very controversial and some of them may not be the view of my pastor. So I'm just going to talk about my heart. Right. Uh, it may not be the reflection of brother star nor brother Isaac. Right. So I'm just going to, talk my heart if if you if you have any inkling in your mind of having a desire to be in ministry and all you can see is the pulpit ministry may not be for you because ministry in my opinion begins doing the lawn work doing doing the things ministry is a support right if you can't be a support from the beginning then why would you expect to be able to to blindly lead sheep from a pulpit <laughs> Yeah, it, that's a very good point. And and has it um, always and has ministry always just been preaching behind the pulpit? I'm sure there's been a few times where you just had to hit your knees in prayer. Oh, ministry begins at prayer, my right. friend. Uh, without without prayer and a healthy relationship with God, uh, I don't believe you're you're going to be in connection with the throne room. So, no, it has not been <laughs> pulpit. Yeah. Uh, for for many many years, it was uh, learning learning how to be and how not to be. Right. There is varying situations that are going to teach you how to be, and there's going to be situations you get in that teach you how not to be. Right. So so whenever all of that comes together, you begin after. After that first message, you say, man, that was a lot of trash I picked up <laughs> in the uh, parking lot. Uh, that that was a lot of yards that I mowed. Right. Yep. Any, if I could say anything to any individual that is listening, that aspires to be a minister, learn what you can do with all of your heart to ease the burden of your man of God. Mm. If you can't catch the same vision of your man of God, then you have no place to be in the pulpit. If you can't assert yourself authority 
then you have no position to be behind the pulpit. Uh, learn, learn foundation. Learn what the apostolic doctrine is. Get it in your heart. Fall in love with it for yourself. Because I promise you, once you step out and you begin to develop a place in the ministry, you will be tried. Right. And it is a place that is shaking. Yeah. So no, it did not start in a pulpit. That's some wisdom right there. Very good wisdom. Um, how long after you, you mentioned around 18, you got back into the church. How long after that did you start feeling led in this direction? It was a few years. Uh, I would say about four or five years Okay, that I really began to do, uh, so said preaching. Uh, I always, I, well, not always. I knew that the Lord was de- developing something in me, right. but it, uh, it took a lot of breaking inside to even tap into what the Lord was trying to do because I was so hard headed that I had to get out of the way so he could work. Right. So it was, it was several years. I did, I didn't feel the call to preach. I didn't feel the call to ministry and just, just run with it. Um, so yes, sir. Yeah. Do you feel that the call is necessary for, to be a minister? I know that's a, probably a little bit of a controversial question. I, there's people that are on both sides of the, the uh, line on there. And I, I'm just going to answer that to the, to the best of my ability uh, for, for Tim Maine. Yeah, that's uh, great. I, I believe that there is a vast difference between a call and a burden. Right. You can, you can be called to do something, but not necessarily have the burden for it. Uh, and to me, there must be a God-given mandate right. for you to do something. But on the other spectrum, I believe that, and this is controversial as well, Brother Starr, a lot of people don't believe in it. Uh, a lot of people do. Uh, but I believe if I can get behind my man of God and I can catch my man of God's vision, then God can give me the burden that my man of God has. Right. And if I can pick that up and run with it, then I believe as long as I am right with my man of God and as long as my prayer life and my relationship with God is, is pure and it is proven, then I believe that there is a place for ministry. Right. Uh, so, so, so really, I don't, I don't really know how to answer that. Whether there is a mandate call or a developed burden. So, yeah. I do, yes, sir. I do like what you say about needing to catch the burden of the man of God. There's something to be said about that. Of a, in the Bible, you see it many times. But the greatest, well, not the greatest example, but a great example is. Joshua and Moses and and the the ability for Joshua to submit himself to his man of God when they're going in the wilderness and Joshua probably knew that Moses wasn't even going to bring him to the promised land but Joshua still stayed submitted to Moses and was able to eventually become the leader that God had planned for Joshua's life because of that submission absolutely submission uh you submission isn't just a just a word that your pastor likes to throw around submission is is a biblical necessity to make it to heaven right 
powerful stuff. When did you become a full-time evangelist? We, okay. So, um, if I can, I'm going to take just a little bit of time. Yeah. So the, so the avenue to evangelizing full-time was, was made over a course of several years. Uh, by trade, I am a, I'm an industrial rigger and crane operator. So through that, uh, I would begin to pray about it. I would begin to talk to Pastor McLean quite a bit about evangelizing. And so we must, uh, myself and Molly, we had to get to the place, not only mentally, but also emotionally developed for it and financially. So through, through the course of several years, the Lord allowed us to pay cash for our house. Our, um, our vehicles are paid for our debt ceiling was very low. And that, that was a big thing about standing out full time is make sure that you, that you do not, have to preach mm-hmm. if if I can say this freely make sure that you get to the place where you don't have to preach for payment right and that that was something over the course of several years where we was able to to pay everything off and then step out full time we went full time last year April 22nd uh, I went to Pastor McLean. I was working a shutdown. I said, "Hey, I said, what are you feeling, Pastor? What do you see?" And he said, "Well, what what do you have booked?" Because during the shutdowns, I would be booking revivals while I was working. Right. And then once the shutdown ended, we would go and fulfill them. Mm-hmm. And he said, "Well, what do you have booked?" He calls me Bubba. He said, "What you got booked, Bubba?" And I said, "Well, we have a Wednesday night." And a Sunday morning and a Sunday night in northern Arkansas, four and a half hours apart. And he uh, he said, okay, well, let's try it. Okay. <laughs> I said, okay. And so uh, so the Lord was very, very gracious yeah. to us, opened many doors. And toward the end of uh, December, uh, we, we had to make the call to, to postpone just a few revivals. Okay. And uh, come home and just take a break. Right. So, yes, sir. So we've been full time for right at a year now. The the 22nd was just a few days ago. So that's pretty awesome. Um, Congratulations on that. Um, You mentioned that you had experience in the oil field, correct? Yes, sir. And so I think that's interesting because right now, is oil doing well in Texas? Oil is not doing good anywhere. <laughs> anywhere <yeah. laughs> I would agree. Not so, doing well in North Dakota either. Yes, and I, But I think that's we, kind of we, interesting how that worked out because yeah. it, it doesn't sound like when you went full-time that you, you didn't have months of revivals booked up and your job probably seems secure. But a year later, you're, you're, uh, the oil field's now shut down almost. Correct. Yes, sir. Uh, I have many, many friends uh, from from manage, senior management levels to laborers mm-hmm. that are now out of work. Wow. And uh, 
So, so the Lord definitely knows what to do. And I just, I just, I suppose just needed to get out of the way and yeah. say, okay, Lord, I'm, I'm yours. Have your way. So, yes, sir. So yes, sir. With that though, we are going through something right now. COVID-19. We it's, it's a word when you hear it, you almost yes. just cringe because you're sick of hearing it. Um, right. Has there, I'm going to ask almost a rhetorical question, but I just want to kind of get your opinion on it. Has there been an effect on evangelists with this? How has it affected evangelists? Uh, Brother Star, Brother Isaac, uh, like like I referenced a few moments ago, I can only give my personal experience uh, if if I'm allowed to go in that avenue. Uh, I know many evangelists full-time evangelist that have not preached uh, in at least a month. Yeah. Full, full-time evangelists that have families that have sacrificed everything that they are to follow after the, the will of God, uh, that they have not preached. They have not done Facebook live. They have not done zoom. Uh, they have not preached uh, parking lot, drive-in right. church. Uh, so, in my opinion, there has been a tremendous far-reaching effect on full-time apostolic evangelists. Uh, so, it, it is far-reaching. It's sad, and obviously, so, the coronavirus, COVID-19, has a far-reaching effect. Is that it's affected everybody? Um, in some way, I, I was talking Everybody. with somebody today and, and we were talking about business and I'm like, yeah, you know, I, I, it, this is one thing. This is not like a economic downturn, like the housing crisis where North Dakota, they didn't no. get too far affected by that. This is something that just flat out, everybody has been affected by it some way, somehow. And I think that I, sometimes with the church, the, the evangelist might get overlooked sometimes you get so busy of where you're at and where you're working not because there's not respect for them or anything but you're so busy with your own church that it might sometimes be forgotten and so that's something that's sad but but it's important to remember too at least the minimum we can do is pray pray yes yes sir prayer is definitely uh a caring factor but if we could just uh if we could just talk outside of the spiritual box for a moment, yeah. Uh, prayer, prayer is a caring thing, okay? Right. But then again, uh, <laughs> uh, the G bill, the gas bill, the insurance, the yeah. cell phones, right? All of that. Uh, it, it has not stopped just because of COVID. Uh, so there is, and I believe. There will be far-reaching effects where there there are some full-time evangelists that that financially, if I could say it in this light, that there there may be a a period where they will have to do something to supplement the income for a while to get caught up. Right. Uh, I know for myself and my wife, we have. Uh, we have preached over Facebook Live once and over uh, 
It was like a small group setting uh, on Zoom. And that was the first time in about six weeks. So what is that like? Yes, sir. Uh, It's definitely different. (laughs) You, 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 you can see people waving their hands and, and uh, you can see people giving you thumbs up, but, but uh, it's definitely different. Uh, one, I, I love the scripture, stir up the gift that is within you by the laying on of hands. And, okay. Yeah. And, you know, we, 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 we all, we're all apostolic. Uh, so we, we're all, man, I don't know how to say this in the correct terminology. Uh, we believe in the power of transfer by the laying on of hands. <laughs> yeah. So it's definitely kind of awkward whenever somebody says, hey, I need y'all to pray for me. I have, I have cancer. Yeah, absolutely. We're going to pray for you in Jesus name, but there is something different about the physical anointing and the laying on of hands. Absolutely. Yeah. And I, I don't, I don't, and I know I'm laughing. I don't mean to be comical in any sense, but it is really different. You're, yeah. you're preaching your heart out. And then it's like, you're trying to listen to the echo bounce off the wall with the, the subtle amen, <laughs> right, amen, yeah. preach it. Yeah, absolutely. <laughs> and it's not there. Right. I so, mean, so so much of preaching is dictated by <laughs> the uh, listener and their engagement with it and whether it's resonating with them or not. And, and, st- oh, and, stuff absolutely. Like that. and, and through a Zoom broadcast or a recorded sermon, that's extremely difficult to get the, uh, the uh, uh, engagement from the listener. Yeah, but, but uh, on the Facebook live that, that I preached, the pastor messaged me uh, yesterday and he said it reached uh, 6,500 people and they watched and the 6,500, uh, they had watched the clip for more than I believe it was five seconds. Okay. Gotcha. So. So, so on the flip side of it being real awkward, I believe we're reaching into avenues that we've never reached before. Right. There's backsliders that, that say, I'm never going to go back to church, that they're probably sitting on their couch or in their vehicle uh, without anybody knowing, right. with tears streaming down their face saying, I'm, I, I need to get back to where I am, or I need to get back to where I need to be. Mm-hmm. So, yeah. That's so a- you still got to it's a great point to yes, see sir. the reach that will happen through this. Um, Absolutely. I, just for Christianity as a whole, I know that Facebook was experiencing some difficulties because of the amount of churches that were beginning to live stream on Facebook. When, when uh, this first yes, happened, uh, according to my notes, March 11th is when the, it was declared a pandemic. So, it, so it's amazing yeah. the effect that it's going to have. And, and hopefully, well, by faith, there will be a revival that comes out of it. So, yeah, definitely. Um, with this, you all, all you mentioned that you have a, or we mentioned that you have a passion for home missions, and you even went and I want to talk about your your store that you started, Main and Co Kingdom Order, yes, and sir. I believe that it's all tied together a little bit. So, why don't you tell us about this store? Uh, yes, sir. It's tied in a great, a great deal. So main and company kingdom where, uh, there was an evangelist that was at our church 
in 2018, the later part of the year. His name is Keith Phillips. He was preaching and and he said, there will be people in this church that will start businesses to bless ministry. Mm-hmm. And myself and my wife, we had not went full time on the field yet. And my wife, uh, she had a dream. It was in, I believe, November or December of that 2018. And she said, she said, Tim, you're going to think I'm crazy. She said, but, but I really feel the Lord's uh, leading us to start a clothing business. And I said, do what? <laughs> and so we, uh, we was preparing to go full time. So we were saving money to, to have at least six months to fall back on right. for four times like this and the unforeseeables. Yeah. And so if I can put that plug in there, anybody that aspires to be an evangelist or go into full-time ministry in some aspect, get six months of bills in an emergency account and leave it there. Right. Uh, so anyhow, so I told my wife, I said, look, I said, if you feel like the Lord spoke this to you, I said, I said, I'll, I'll do everything that I can to make it happen. And so with $500, I contacted a supplier and, uh, and I was told no, like oh, no. several times wow. by people because we didn't, we didn't have the invoicing to, uh, to show proof of purchases or right. capital backing. So with $500, we started with socks and ties. Okay. We sold Somewhere. all of them and we oh. had, we had capital going. Wow. And so I don't know how much time we have left, but I, I just want to give you the story behind it. Do it. Uh, and so uh, we contacted Amazon to become an authorized drop shipper for Amazon clothing. And you are supposed to have 25,000 liquid capital behind you. Okay. And we had like, we had like $1,200 in the bank. Yeah. So I read all the rules and everything. So, I contacted him. I said, God, if this is your will, I said, you need to open this door. Yeah. And so he, so I went the gentleman over the phone about the application and he said, he said, what are you even doing this for? I said, we just want to be a blessing to, to ministry. Right. And he said, he said, Mr. Main, he said, you only have like $1,200 in your account. And I said, I understand. And he said, he said it, it was a minimum of 25,000. I said, yes, sir. And he sat there quiet for a moment, and I, I was whispering a prayer. I said, "Lord, would you grant it if it's your will?" And the guy said, "I don't, I don't know why I'm going to do this." He said, "But I'm approving your account." Wow, wow! And so, so that was the the big catalyst. Yeah. And so I'm going to fast forward really fast to the end of 2019. We did over a hundred thousand dollars in sales our first year. That's incredible. That's incredible. And it's extremely the difficult Lord, for a business Lord, to do that. Well, the it, it is. It took a lot of work, a lot right. of learning curves. But, but whenever you purpose in your mind that when God sets a tool up that you're going to use that tool solely for the intent of blessing ministries, uh, you you have spoken a few times about the burden that myself and Molly have right. for small churches. 
uh, I, I want to make it very clear that there is a many small churches across the United States. And I'm going to focus on the United States. I'm not focusing on foreign missions. I appreciate foreign missions. I love foreign missions. Myself and my wife go on mission trips. But the necessity and the great need that small churches across our communities have are so overlooked that that uh, <clears throat> that there's financial struggles. There's struggles whenever the man of God really don't have much help. Right. And, uh, and I told my wife, I said, I want this to be a blessing. I want this to be a ministry. So I'm not going to disclose any names or any amounts uh, directly toward churches. But many times Maine and Co. has paid for many revivals awesome. where we did not preach them. Right. But for an evangelist to go another full-time evangelist to go to a small church and for there to be the ability where the man of God and his family can pull back and get their mind reset and, right. and, and there be that little bit of help. Maybe the piano was going out. Maine and co has paid for, for instruments and Maine and co has helped with utilities and, uh, none of this is being said. And I, I, I've with, with all ambulance, I, I ask that nobody sees this in a reflection for personal gain. Oh, no. Uh, this is all for the kingdom, right? There, there is brother star and brother Isaac. There is nothing in this world. There's no filling in this world. You, you, you go to a small church and the man of God and his family are so drawn out. Right. They're exhausted. But there ain't nothing wrong with them. They're tired. Right. There's no there's no feeling in this world, Brother Star, when that man of God puts his arms around you at the end of that revival and he says, I know I can make it. Yeah, that's powerful. Yeah. And that that was that was the vision behind Maine and Co. And that vision has carried throughout uh during this time myself and my wife we haven't had much money the lord spoke to me and he said hey i want you to send this certain amount of money to to uh to certain people uh right. full-time evangelists namely and i said lord i said i said i i don't have the extra funds to do that and and the Lord just has a certain way of raking people over the coals. That's comical at times. <laughs> and he said, well, I thought, I thought everything that you had was mine. <laughs> and I said, I said, yes, Lord. So with Maine and co, uh, we would send the evangelist and, uh, other families, just gift boxes. And inside of the gift box, there would be a love offering. That's awesome. Uh, and like I said, I, I, I wish to not disclose any names for the, sake of privacy and i'm not i, I don't I, I don't want want that to ever be tied up like that but uh just a quick testimony we we sent out a few checks and in my carnal perspective i'm like lord we don't have this money uh since the pandemic started we've done about twenty thousand in sales wow wow thank you jesus <laughs> 
and in and a, and a time of unsurety, yep. uh, God has continually uh, poured out his blessings so we can help uh, furnish other ministries. Yeah. That's, Amen. Yes, sir. One thing that I'm learning as a young man is the principle of promotion. And biblically, promotion comes not from the east or the west, but from above. And we see this. And, and I, so I'm learning this, and this is this is yet another witness of that, as God has paved the way. And I watch all you and your wife, in your ministry, you're not forcing doors open, but God is opening the doors for you, and He's blessed you, and He's continuing to bless, and that shows that you're in the will of God. I mean, that must be an encouraging thing to realize. It's it's definitely an encouraging thing because in, in our perspective, we can look in the mirror and the mirror is the only thing that does not lie. Mm-hmm. And we can feel like failures and we can feel like we're, we're having shortfalls or we're not relevant in this time. But the testimony of it, of where God is continually pouring out his blessings. So we can try to be a blessing is far reaching than what we can do. And in my mind, evangelism goes far, far, far further than just a pulpit. Right. Uh, evangelism goes into teaching that Bible study on Zoom, uh, sharing the word. Whenever you're in a grocery store, you're, you're seeing people that's living in a state of fear during this pandemic. That's evangelism. Right. Uh, and lifting up the hands of your man of God, a man of God, uh, different churches during this time, regardless if you're preaching for them or not. Uh, what can we do, you know? Yeah. And if I could say one more thing uh, regarding this is there was a scripture that was brought to my mind during this whole time. Uh, whenever we began to read about the story of the five loaves and the two fishes, it's something that I've always skipped over, Brother Star and Brother Isaac. Uh, in verse number 20 of Matthew 14, it says, and, and they did all eat and were filled. And they took up the fragments that remained, 12 baskets full. And I want to draw your attention to just a few words right there. The fragments that remained. COVID-19 has come in a major way. It's, it's reached into the depths of churches and ministries and businesses that will forever shape the future for them, mm-hmm. whether it be on the positive or the negative. But consider the fragments of the miracles. Consider what has remained of it. Right. That's that's very powerful right there, uh, the fragments that remain. I like your burden for home missionaries. Home missionaries are unsung heroes. When I when very I much. really sit down and think about what they do, it it pulls a string in my heart somewhere because they're people that go to a place where there's nothing with a vision and a burden and a family, and they go and they start reaching souls. Not, not with the, there's the overall church that supports them, but, but not with a congregation or something like that. The community that we so rely on in our, 
own local church that helps propel them on. It's simply a burden from God Absolutely. that propels them. And I love that you guys have embraced yes, that and to support them. I love that. You, you know, greater than, than just, uh, they go into these towns and they go into the metros alone. Right. Many times beyond financial needs, which a financial need is great. Uh, I say probably 95, 90 to 95% of small churches are dependent upon a uh, bivocational pastor. Right. So there's much greater sacrifice. We say, well, we put 12 hours in at the field, put 12 hours in at the office. Right. So does that home missions pastor. He puts in 10 hours at work, 8, 10, 12 hours at work. And then he goes to the church and he's counseling and there's there's uh, the, the desire to grow. Right. So there is there is a tremendous need for the support of small churches, not just home missions, small churches where uh, there's nothing wrong with them, Brother Star. No. But but in in the viewpoint of many, many people, they have a small church. So there's something wrong. I, I rebuke that lie in the name of Jesus. Right. Yeah. <laughs> That is that is not the right mindset to have whenever it comes to small churches. Amen to that. And I, I don't know. It's uh, there. There is a place where I believe the fivefold ministry is coupled not only for the perfecting of the saints, but it's for the perfecting of ministry. Amen. Well, my my elder, which would be uh, our pastor's dad. Elder Al Starr, um, he's been a great strength in my life, and I know that he prays for me a lot, and I've needed it. And he gave me a word that has has changed the way that I look at evangelism. And he and he made a comment, and this is what he said. He said, "You know, in the old times, evangelists would interact with the community." knock doors and do street ministry. And, and he said, you know, now that you just don't see that much anymore. Since I've heard that we've, we've been on a pursuit as a church. So this is something that's relevant to us, but we are in the jails. We're in the streets. We're doing van ministry and, and, and that work continues to move on during COVID-19. But there's something to be said about the blood, sweat and tears that are poured into these churches and when you have someone that comes along, such as an evangelist or a, a visiting minister, and they begin to take it personally, it changes everything. Because they're not in there just to say a cute sermon, but they're in there for the people. And I, I mean, I just, I appreciate what you're doing. I can feel that burden about you. Uh, out, outreach is a, uh, is a tremendous tool. Uh, because the people won't know the church is there unless we put boots on the ground. Uh, and if I could insert this, Pastor Marshall Clack uh, in the Atlanta Metro, he uh, produced or he bought the rights to a Bible study called Following the Pattern. Right. And if there's anybody listening to this podcast and you would like to teach a Bible study, but you're unsure how to teach a Bible study, reach out. I would love to do 
do a virtual Zoom on how to teach a Bible study. Uh, the Bible study is called Following the Pattern. Anybody can teach that, Brother Isaac. Uh, but Wonderful. outreach and Bible studies. Outreach and Bible studies yeah, is, very great. is maybe, utmost important. Maybe that's something we should work on in the future. Create, create a, uh, a uh, way where we can go and help teach how to teach a Bible study. Because that's something where some people struggle with maybe even asking they, they don't want to humble themselves and say, hey, I don't know how to teach a Bible study. But there's a, there's an art yes, to it. There's, it's not just going and reading a, a script. There's something more to it than just that, for sure. Absolutely. We are coming to the end here. Is there anything else you would like to add, Brother Main? Fall in love with Jesus. Develop a personal relationship with him. And in that, you will find much fulfillment. Uh, but... If I can say something that has forever shaped my life and my ministry, sometimes when you're praying for the will of God, no will be the answer. That's a very good word to leave with. That's very, very good. We yes, appreciate you joining us on this episode. Appreciate you taking time out. To our yes, listeners, sir. if you want to find Brother Maine, you can find their business, Main & Co. Kingdomware, online at maineandcokingdomware.com or on Facebook and Instagram. But let's be in prayer for them. Let's remember our evangelists during this time with prayer. If the Lord puts on your heart with financial support, I believe there are some funds out there to help with that. But we do appreciate you. And until next time.